You know, I'm thankful today. We're coming into Thanksgiving, and I am so thankful. This has been at the church here really a, a week of, really a month or months of boxes that we've had around here. Many people have come and worked on these shoe boxes that today you can still hand in shoe boxes if you, if you have some. Listen, the record was broken this year, uh, actually over uh, this, this, actually this watermark of 200,000 boxes have been packed by this church. Incredible. Over a period of years. I want to thank Jim Urban and his team for doing an amazing job with that. And also yesterday, we did the food pantry at the new location for the very first time. And I was so blessed to come and be part of it. And the people that showed up and volunteered, we had, oh, we, we helped over 400 families through the food pantry. Pastor Trent and his team did an incredible job. We had more vol- we had volunteers all over the place. Cars lined up down through Newcastle. So God is doing some amazing things. And we're, this is a great season of ministry. Just honored to be part of it and thankful. And I'm thankful for God's word today. We're gonna feast on God's word this Thanksgiving. Are you ready? Why don't we stand for the reading of God's word? And I'm reading from Luke, the 17th chapter. This is in the New Testament. If you're not familiar with the Bible, this is one of the gospels or the stories about the narratives about the life of Jesus. And in verse 11, it says this. Now on his way, this is Jesus now, to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him and they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. What an amazing story. I invite you to be seated in the presence of God. And I was just thinking about this whole thing of, of Thanksgiving. I love this holiday, obviously, for a variety of reasons. I think it makes us cognizant of the idea that we need to be thankful. And the truth is, you are blessed. You have a lot to be thankful for today. And uh, I, I was really kind of noticing that people come in this whole idea of thankfulness, maybe at a few different levels. And I'm going to mention a few of those levels. You can think to yourself and see if you fit into one of these levels, all right? The first level would be this, people who complain all the time. You know, complaining is the polar opposite of being thankful. And maybe there is a time in life to complain, but you know any people that kind of complain professionally? You know any of those people? Of course, none of us are that way, right? I mean, you, you could do anything for these people. You know, you can invest your resources and your time and your energy, and they do nothing but find a reason to complain. I don't know if you know those people or not. Uh, constantly complaining. Maybe there's some people here. Maybe we've all been in that category at one time or another. Here's the second category. People who feel entitled. We're living in a nation 
of people, many of which feel entitled. There is an entitlement in our nation. And before you look at other people who might seem entitled, maybe we should look at ourselves. Because hasn't there been times in our life where we say, hey, I deserve this. I worked for this. Well, the truth is, we don't really deserve anything. And anything we have, the scripture tells us, comes down from the father of the heavenly lights. That many times we can feel entitled. It's kind of ingratitude. We're not really thankful. All right? We might not complain, but we're not really thankful. I have it coming. I just want my fair share. I want what everybody else has. Entitled. All right? I don't know if you've ever been in that category. Here's another category. People who are grateful, but they're only grateful when things are going well. And that's probably been all of us at one time or another. We can sit at Thanksgiving dinner, and man, if we have money in that bank account, and we're pretty healthy at this point, and the kids are doing pretty well, there's a lot to be thankful for. We just feel gratitude. We feel thankful until something goes south. There's a health concern, or we lose a job. And then even in that difficulty, we have a hard time finding something to be thankful for. And we wonder where God is. That's the third kind of gratitude. Here's the the biblical gratitude I want to talk to you about today. Because this is something powerful. And I want to tell you, when we talk about Thanksgiving, it's really nice to think about, yeah, I'm thankful. But I want to tell you, gratitude will change your life. Gratitude can change our society. It can change our community. There is power in biblical gratitude. It's what I want you to see in the scripture today. This is what really Thanksgiving is all about. People, God's people, who are thankful in every situation, even when it's hard, even when it's tough. And I know there's some people here today, you're going through some hard things in your life, but I will tell you, there's probably something that you could be thankful for. You're here today. There is something to be thankful for. And a follower of Christ, as followers of Christ, we are called to be thankful. I really want to unpack that today. Jesus is traveling from Galilee down to Jerusalem, which they would do multiple times throughout the year to different festivals, he and his disciples. But they would go this route over in the middle of nowhere, if you look at it on the map, over on the border of Samaria. Galilee was where they were, Jesus was actually raised. That was his hometown. It was where his headquarters was, predominantly Jewish. This was the place where Jesus performed 25 of his miracles. He was famous in Galilee, You know, he was heralded. People followed him by the tens of thousands there in Galilee. And yet he's going down to Jerusalem and he goes over through this place, Samaria. And the reason this is something that many people would not do is because they considered it dangerous. And it was, there was a lot of racism between the Jews and the Samaritans. These people hated one another. And yet Jesus would go there anyway, on multiple occasions, went to this area. Actually, this village that he goes to is is so insignificant in the eyes of people that Luke does not even tell us the name of the village. It's this backwoods place right on the border of Galilee and Samaria. And it's in that place that he finds these forgotten people, these 10 lepers. Actually, this is the second time in the book of Luke where Jesus heals lepers. And word must be getting out because to heal lepers, man, that's a big deal. You heal a leper and people are going to hear about it because this 
disease to these people. They considered it to be highly contagious. And these people were separated from their society. They were the forgotten people. They were the pushed to the side people. Do you know those people? We saw some of those people yesterday at our food pantry. And maybe today you came here and you feel like you have been forgotten. And many people feel forgotten in this season of the year. Maybe you feel like you have been pushed to the side. These people had to live outside of society. They walked around with shredded clothing. They wore masks and it wasn't for the reason that people wear masks now. They wore masks because their facial features were so deformed that they wore a mask to cover them up. These people were embarrassed. They were unclean. According to the Levitican law, they were unclean. They were not allowed to be with their people. They were rejected by society. And friends, I want to tell you, I believe the greatest pain that a human being can experience is that of rejection from other people. These were the rejected. They, they had to wear a bell around their neck so that when other people were coming, they would know that the unclean, they would shout, unclean, unclean. And at night, when people would go back to their homes, these lepers would emerge from the caves they lived in, and they would go to the garbage jumps, dumps just trying to survive. Their, their bodies and the nurse, nervous system would deteriorate to the point where they would be injured but wouldn't even know it. Rats would come at night and eat away their bodies, and they wouldn't even know it. And it was absolutely a death sentence. These people had no hope at all complete desperation. And maybe there's some people that come to these services today who know what that's like when you feel desperate. And it's not because of leprosy, but it may be because of cancer or maybe because of issues with your children that have been breaking your heart or COVID or a myriad of other reasons that people can feel desperate. But see, now these people have heard about Jesus. They must have heard about Jesus. Even the lepers knew about Jesus but they hadn't really experienced Jesus yet. There is a chance that you're in church today and you've heard about Jesus. I sat in church for many years and I heard a lot about Jesus, but the truth was I never knew Jesus. I never really experienced Jesus. And there's a chance today that you're here and you've heard all about, you've heard it all before, but you don't really know Jesus. These people were hopeless but I want you to know today that with Jesus, there is always hope. Hope is a person. Hope is a person. There were some people that were in the uh, concentration camps in Germany, Auschwitz. This guy named Hugo Grin was a little boy in a concentration camp with his family. Can you imagine what that would have been like? And sometimes we take our freedom so for granted. These people were locked away, discarded. And it was in that place that Hugo's father had a lump of margarine. If you can imagine how valuable in a concentration camp where people were literally starving to death, a lump of margarine would be. And on Hanukkah, this festival of lights, instead of feeding that to the people, his father took it and put it into a lamp and lit that lamp in celebration of what God had done in that miracle. And the people were amazed and they celebrated Hanukkah there. And the son said to the dad, dad, why would you take that margarine and use it for a lamp? 
And his dad said, we can survive for days without water. And we can survive for probably three weeks without food, but we cannot survive for three seconds without hope. We have to have hope. And maybe today you feel like your hopes have been dashed. I want to tell you, and I'm going to say it again, hope is a person. Hope is a person. The real hope that we have in this life is going to be found in one person. His name's Jesus. And you may say, Pastor Warren, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through. Well, you don't know what I've been through. And I'm telling you that hope is a person. Hope walks into this village. And it says this in verse 12. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy <coughs> met him. And they stood at a distance. They're socially distancing here. And they called out in a loud voice. And I love how Luke puts the word loud in there. They shouted, Jesus. I don't know if you've ever called out to Jesus that way. Jesus, master, have pity on us. If you want to get God's attention, open up your mouth and cry out to him today. That's what they're doing. We tend to talk to everybody else, post it up on the internet, you know, complain to other people. If you want to get God's attention, open up your mouth and cry out. And you know what I found in life, in my own life, and in the lives of my family members? If life gets hard enough, you will cry out. You will cry out when life gets hard enough. I've known people that were atheists and would argue about, with you about faith until they're on their deathbed and they have nowhere else to turn. Sometimes we don't look to God until we're flat on our backs looking up. Cry out. They cried out to Jesus. They didn't cry out to Muhammad. They didn't cry out to Allah. They didn't cry out to Buddha. They didn't cry out to some pastor. They didn't cry out to a priest. They cried out to the one who truly is our living hope. Listen, in your life, I don't care how long you've been in church, quit looking to people for your hope. Although we put a lot of hope in people, and my, my people, I love my people. I'm thankful for them. But I want to tell you, I'm not going to find my ultimate hope in the government. I'm not going to find it in my employer. But the true and lasting and eternal hope is found in one person, it's Jesus. And they yell, Jesus, master. That word master is so significant for us this morning, my friends. It is actually in the original language, the word epistata, epistata, master. You know what it means literally? It means commander, commander. There are some people, you've been to church, you're in church today, you, you might've received Christ as your savior, which is kind of the, 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 the wording we use in the 21st century, but you haven't called him master yet. You haven't called him epistata yet because there are many casual Christians. I know this because I was one for many years. You know, we come to church and we give it some level of lip service, but the truth is we don't really live for Jesus. He's not really our master, epistata. We don't really put our full trust in him. He wants you to... Put your trust in him completely today. What are you holding back from God? What are you holding back? What do you think he doesn't know about? Are you holding back your sexuality? Are you holding back your relationships from him? Do you think you're gonna do those things independent of the God who made you? Are you, are you compartmentalizing your job? You come to church on Sunday, but Monday it's something totally different. 
God wants to be in every area of your life, that you would submit in every way to him, that in all your ways you would acknowledge him and allow him to direct your paths. He wants to be your master, epistata, your master. And they call out, master. You know, everyone else has rejected these poor people except Jesus. And I want to tell you today, if you came here and you felt rejected by people, Jesus does not reject you. Jesus shows these poor souls grace and mercy. I am thankful this Thanksgiving that God doesn't give me what I truly deserve, that he gives me his grace and his mercy. I I really don't deserve any goodness at all. To be completely honest with you, we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and it's only by the grace of God, the goodness of God, that we're even here this morning. We think God has to do something spectacular to get our gratitude, like work some amazing miracle. If you have clothes on your back, it's because of God. If you have food in your stomach, it is from God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. You know what I was thinking, how thankful I am? Just for running water. Our well went out recently. We didn't have water for a couple days. And I just, I am so thankful that I, Turn that knob and water run. That's, that's amazing. We are living in a nation where we can have clean water. That's something to be thankful for right there. Let me go on here, verse 14. When he saw them, that's four powerful words right there. When Jesus saw him, the creator of all things saw these people. He came there looking for these people. He came there with a purpose. He saw them. He saw them. You know, he sees you. And you may feel like you are beyond help, but I want you to know that he sees you today. You may feel alone, but he sees you. And I don't know how low you might be. If you're dealing with bipolar today, he sees you. If you had a diagnosis that scared you, I want you to know he sees you. If you feel hopeless, he sees you. If you came in here drunk today, I want you to know he sees you. If you were smothered by debt in your life, he sees you. He is the God who sees no matter where you are. And there are people that think that God has forgotten them. He has not forgotten you. You may have forgotten him, but he would never forget you. You may have pulled away from God. He hasn't pulled away from you. He's the God who sees, and he sees you. And he said to them, Something very simple. Go, show yourselves to the priest. Why would he say that? The reason he said that is because in order for them to reenter society, that cleansing, that healing had to be validated by the priest. Now get this, they're not even healed yet. Only thing they want to do is obey Jesus. They're not all perfect yet. I mean, you know, they're not healed yet, but they still choose to obey. Well, we do that same thing. Even though things aren't perfect, are we going to choose to do what Jesus, what his word tells us to do? That's a challenge today. Someone might say, but I'm suffering. I'm suffering. Can you be thankful even when you are suffering? Can you be obedient even when? These poor people were suffering. They had a death sentence. You know what? When you're thankful, even when you're suffering, There's power in that. If you can find a way to be thankful, even when you are going through it, people say, you're crazy, you're what? You're thankful? 
Are you crazy? What you're going through? I want to tell you, when you are thankful, when things are tough, it shuts the devil's mouth. It shuts the devil's mouth. You know what the enemy of your soul wants you to do? The enemy of your soul wants you to quit, give up, have a part pity party, throw in the towel, walk away from your relationship with God. That's what he wants. But when you start thanking God, even in the hard times, like these people did, when you start obeying God, even in the tough times, it shuts the devil's mouth. And as they are going, we don't get a description of it. I wish we did. As they are going somewhere along the way, these people whose bodies were literally falling apart begin to notice that they're being healed. Can you imagine that moment? Some of you know what that's like. When God touches your life and it's undoubtedly God, and these men are walking, they realize the blemishes are leaving and they're gaining a sensitivity to their extremities that they did not have before. And suddenly they're healed. And in verse 15, it says this, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. There's that word again, loud voice. He's shouting praises. One person distinguishes himself among all the people. You know, where are the others? Where'd the other nine go? We're never told, but I'll tell you where they went. You know where they went? They're off enjoying the blessing. They're back with their families. They got blessed, but they forgot to thank the blesser. I don't know if that's a word or not. They, they forgot to thank the one who actually blessed. They probably felt grateful. Sometimes we can feel grateful, but we don't really go back and say thank you. There is a difference between being grateful and expressing it. There's a big difference. They received the provision, but they never got around to thanking the provider. Doesn't that get under your skin a little bit? They never went back. Listen, think about what you have in life. God gave that to you. Sometimes we can commit the sin of ingratitude. In fact, it probably happens every day. Miracles have taken place in our lives and we never thank God for it. We pray and we pray and we pray and we finally get an answer we forget to thank God for it. Complaining. That's many times what we do. I wanted, I wanted to lighten this up a little bit, so I'm going to tell you a joke, all right? And here's the deal. Uh, I'm not very good at telling jokes, and it's not a very funny joke because <laughs> the first service didn't even laugh at it, but I will know if you're grateful about how much you laugh at this joke, all right? <laughs> how thankful you are for my, my joke telling. But it's, it's about a person that was never thankful for This guy was not thankful for anything. His wife tried so hard. And she was a great wife, man. She cooked. She cleaned. She did everything for this guy. And he never said thank you. He was never grateful to her. And one day she said, I'm going to do something. He's going to have to say thank you. I'm going to do something so good, he is going to have to say thank you. So she went up. When he woke up in the morning, she said, honey, I'm going to make you breakfast in bed. And she said, you just tell me what you want. You can ask anything, and I'll make it for you. And he thought about it for a minute. He said, all right, I would like two toasts, one white and one wheat. I want that white toast to have just a little bit of butter on it and the wheat plain. I want a big glass of the coldest orange juice you can get. And I want a cup of black hot coffee. And I want you to make me two eggs. I want you to make one over easy, a lot of salt and pepper on it, and the other one scrambled. You got that? Yeah, I got it. She goes down to the kitchen. You hear her down there banging the pans around trying to do this. She really wants to do the very best for this guy. 
A little while later, she comes back with a tray, comes walking in with a smile on her face because he's going to have to say thank you. And, and uh, she says, I got it for you. She said, I have the two toasts, the one white, the one wheat. I put a little bit of butter on that white toast for you. I gave you a great big glass of really cold orange juice and, and a mug of hot black coffee. And she said, I made your eggs. I did the over easy, a lot of salt and pepper on that egg, and the other one scrambled, and here it is. And she just stood back and waited to see what he would say. What was he going to say? And he looked at it for a minute, and he said, you scrambled the wrong egg. That's it. I'm thankful that some 18 people thought it was funny, all right? Hey, we get together and complain about things. You know, it's almost like a privilege to complain. Sometimes complaining makes people popular. I worked with people who just, they would complain, and the complainers would get together and complain about things. Uh, Maybe you know those people, and I, I hope maybe you're not one of them, but I have been one of those people. That's a toxic atmosphere to exist in. Nothing good ever comes from griping. But we'll go out here today, and chances are you're going to complain about other drivers when you go out of the parking lot. You'll be blowing the horn, even people from church, you know. We have 415 television stations, and we can't find anything to watch. There's nothing good on these stations. I'm flipping through for like 45 minutes. I can't find anything. And I realized that when I was growing up, we got three stations. My dad put it, we lived out in the middle of nowhere. We had a big antenna. We lived up on a hill. That antenna, we'd have to turn it to get the stations. It'd go one way for channel two. It'd go a little bit different for channel four, which we couldn't get all the time. You'd have to flip it around to get channel 11. And once in a while, we would get a Steubenville station. I don't even know if Steubenville still has a station. But we'd go out there and flip it. And since I was the youngest kid, they would send me out to turn that antenna, which I could barely do. I mean, it's on a big pole going up outside our house. And they would yell, go a little bit more. And then they would complain about it. You had it, but you went too far. Go back, you know. And you're out there. And yet, we have 415 stations that were complaining about it. So easy to complain. The fridge is full of food, and yet there's nothing to eat. We don't have anything to eat around here. Or... I will tell you what happens. And, and, you know, I'm I'm, I'm preaching to myself here today as well because we can pray for something. We can pray for that promotion. We've been praying for it. We got passed over for it before. We finally get the promotion, and what happens? We wind up complaining about it. We want a group of friends, and we pray about it, and God finally gives us some friends, and we complain. We, We pray for a wife. I just want to find a godly wife, and we pray, and we pray. Other people pray, and eventually you find that wife, complain. There's no good outcome to griping. What is God's will for us? 1 Thessalonians 5, give thanks in all circumstances. You want to know God's will? This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's it. And then I love the next verse. Do not quench the spirit. He says, be thankful in all. Doesn't mean we're going to be thankful for everything. I'm not thankful that my tire is going to be flat after this service, which I don't think is going to be the case. But if it were, I wouldn't go out there and say, God, thank you for the flat tire. I would say, thank you for the person that's going to come and change that tire. We're not going to be thankful because we're ill. But there is something in that situation that we can find to be 
thankful for. We have a God who is sovereign over all things, who has a plan over all these things, even the hard things. And we can find a way in every situation, in all circumstances, to be thankful. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We want God's power in our lives, and then we complain about what he gives us. What if we started thanking him for what he gives us? By the way, there is power in gratitude. And let me see if I understand this last line when he says, do not quench the spirit. In other words, if I'm ungrateful, it's gonna hinder the power of God at work in my life. If I'm ungrateful, it's gonna quench the spirit. It's gonna hinder the power of God at work in your life. And by the way, no one is gonna come along and make you grateful It's a choice. Someone said, develop an attitude of gratitude. I think it's a lot more than just an attitude of gratitude. I think it's a lifestyle of gratitude, and it will change your life. And the amazing thing about this story is nine people chose not to come back and thank Jesus. That's probably pretty close to the numbers that probably we would see today. One out of nine came back, and in verse 16, he threw himself at Jesus' feet. He's like he's sliding into home plate here. He throws himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. Thank you, Jesus. And he adds in here, and he was a Samaritan. He wasn't one of God's people. He wasn't one of the church people. He wasn't even supposed to be there. He didn't even know what the law was. He didn't know about going to the priest. And yet he's the one that comes back. He did what the church folk would not do. He really thanked Jesus. He worshiped Jesus. You know, the Jews loved the miracles of Jesus, but many of them did not embrace Jesus as their Messiah. This guy did. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus, and he worships, a posture of worship. I know there are people here today, and you want God to take you to the next level. You want God to take you to the next level of your career. You want God to take you to the next level with your family. You want God to take you to the next level spiritually. But maybe God first wants to take you to the next level of gratitude where you really start to be thankful in all circumstances. And by the way, gratitude is not always a feeling. Sometimes it's just an action. It is just what we do. And I think Jesus was ticked. I can't imagine being one of those other nine, but here's what he says. Jesus asked, Were not all 10 cleansed? I mean, Jesus knew they were all cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? What happened to the church folk right here? They didn't even come back. Those people, you know those people, you do everything for them and they're never thankful? That's these people right here. In verse 19, then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And theologians would say that phrase made you well is something more than just a healing of his body. That there was a spiritual transformation that took place in the life of this guy that didn't happen in the life of anyone else. This guy came here and came to actually know Jesus. He experienced salvation in this moment and it began with gratitude. There is power in gratitude. And Part of the tradition is this, that this guy actually became a messenger to the Samaritans. That's not biblical. 
But some people think that may be what happened. He was Jesus' messenger. Power and gratitude. To be a follower of Christ means to be a person who is filled with gratitude. You know, I, my mother passed away on the 28th of July. And I was talking about it in one of my sermons. And I had a number, number of people mention that to me. And I think a lot of other people had the same experience. And I went to see my mom a couple weeks before she passed away. And she was awake and alert, which she usually was not. But she was, and it was just me and her. And she kept saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. And she couldn't hear a word I was saying. My mother had a hearing problem. I'm yelling, mom. These people in this nursing home probably thought we were crazy. I mean, I'm pretty loud. Mom! I had a whiteboard and I'm writing things on the whiteboard to my mom. I love you. And then like two minutes later, she forgets. I write it again. I love you, mom. I love you. But one of the things I got to say to my mom was, thank you for being a great mother. And I want to tell you, don't wait until the last minute to say that to the people in your life. People need to hear thank you. It's not just God hearing it. You need to be able to say that to other people. I remember when my mom would line me up as a kid when someone would bring a gift and I would stand there and she would say, now, what do you say? What do you say to your aunt? Thank you, trying to train me to be thankful, right? Yeah, you better thank people. And I think that's the message of scripture. We need to thank the people in our lives. This Thanksgiving, it's about thanking God, obviously. What about those people that work for you? You know, when you thank someone, it builds a bridge. That's a relationship builder. And when you don't thank them, there's a separation that takes place. Thankful. Thankful to those people. Those people you do life with. To be able to say thank you very much for what you do, it means an awful lot. It really does. And after I preached this in the first service, like 100 people left and said, hey, Pastor Warren, thank you. You know, you don't, you don't have to do that. But I want to today leave you with three phrases and a question. All right, and we're gonna leave it at this and you can go enjoy your Thanksgiving. And here's the first one. Can we pull that up first? Unexpressed gratitude equals ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude. You may feel thankful within yourself, but if you never write that thank you note, and I've been guilty of this like everybody else, how is that person going to know that you were thankful? Unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. If you went out and you found those nine people that didn't come back to Jesus, and you said, hey, why didn't you go back and thank Jesus? Aren't you thankful? They would say, yeah, I'm thankful. I feel thankful. But they never actually went back and said thank you. And they missed out on the treasure that the other person experienced. To be able to say thank you to the people you love and love you, the people around you, the people you work with, to say thank you. There's power in gratitude. Here's the second one. Ingratitude can seem like rejection. I bring a dish over to your house on Thanksgiving, and you don't want me bringing a dish. You want my wife bringing a dish, you don't want me. But if I did, and no one said thank you, I would think they didn't like it. Even though you might tell someone else you liked it, you never told me. You know, people come in, they stand up here, you know, they bring their song and no one says thank you. It's like, it feels like rejection. You, you come in and you, you offer your very best. You show up on Thanksgiving, you bring a meal and no one says thank you. And it feels like 
They didn't accept it. They didn't like it. That's, that's what it feels like with them. Ingratitude can seem like rejection. And here's the question I have for you. Will you be one of the nine or will you be the one? Because most people are gonna be one of the nine. Will you be the one, and especially at Thanksgiving, but all the time, will you be the one who's truly grateful to God and grateful to other people? Will you be that one? That's the question today. Can I pray for us? And God, I pray that you would, you would put a gratitude within our hearts supernaturally and give us a gratitude for one another that we as a church would be truly thankful for one another in our community here, in our families, that we would be able to not just feel gratitude, God, but we would be able to express it and that people would see in us something different. And I wanna pray for every person here today who maybe knows about Jesus, but really doesn't know Jesus. I wanna pray for every heart to be open today. Just, just you're calling upon our lives, God, that you're calling to be grateful and to be thankful, but are calling to be in a deep life-giving relationship with Jesus. And I pray today that if we hear his voice, that we wouldn't harden our heart, that we would be open to you in our lives and invite you into our lives, God. Fill us with your spirit. I wanna pray for these people that they would have a glorious and wonderful Thanksgiving, wherever it is, whatever they're doing, I pray that they would experience your hope and your joy in their lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.